so uh, we will have question answers but just to set the ball rolling in the background of what we have been sharing <clears throat> so as we see a uh, few things one is that man's evolution is not yet over this is one of the things that shurabindu brings out when we uh, speak about man's evolution it's there in the vedanta and the vedanta says that the human formula the human personality which means our mind our life our body is like a pot within which the seed of divinity is growing and spiritual evolution this idea of spiritual evolution is there in the vedanta and so we have even in the tantra the 84 lakh yonis through which that little spark passes body after body gets the experience till it finally is ready to discover who it is who am i you know and then the pot breaks and it goes and merges with the absolute from where it has come but then what of the pot in which it has grown what about what about this clay what about this life this earthly life and that's where we see shomindra bringing a totally new dimension that no as it grows nature also grows along with it and that we can see in actual you know that's how all evolution takes place so we have first a kind of humanity or a layer of humanity which exists within us because when we use the word layers it should not be taken that you know there are some here some there and some out there there are layers through which we evolve and these layers don't just vanish when we go to the next level so there is a layer of humanity which is can be called as the vital physical where we are centered around and preoccupied around our physical needs and our desires and their expansion so this is one of the first things to affirm um, our bodily and vital existence upon earth it's it's instinctively there it is a stage of evolution and then comes the next layer and that's a more mental evolution where we begin to question why am i doing whatever i am doing why should i be laboring why should i be struggling what is this desire what am i who is um, my creator and so on and so forth a series of questioning and then we begin to create frames mind automatically builds frames so in the vital physical level we don't care about frames we just want to live our life and whichever way it comes and um, uh, you know we just meet it with the force of life there is no basic philosophy behind it but any person who goes beyond this first formula wants to have some kind of a working philosophy from some working understanding and therefore we have systems of thought viewpoints belief systems social systems and uh, moral and ethical ways of living all this is part of the evolutionary process and yet even there we are still within the human formula there can be something beyond humanity beyond the human frame that comes much later so we are human we remain human but we can be good human beings that's the ultimate of a uh, what is called in india as a satvik mentality so how we should be with our fellow human beings how we should be uh, with uh, let's say the rest of the creation how we should deal with our neighbors how we should deal with uh, matter and in a human way so this is um, the acme of the mental evolution to which man can go but there comes a time when even the human formula and the highest that we can get out of it does not satisfy us it just um, because that seed is there it wants to seek further it wants to go further it wants to go beyond the formula and that's when spiritual evolution begins now um, 
you know if we go into the history of spiritual evolution it is like a promise and a future a day will come when humanity largely will be spiritualized that's what shubindu says and the mother says the time has come now and we can see this in the increasing seeking but uh, there have been promises there have been glimpses and there there have been lines of efforts so there is not one line of spiritual evolution just as there is not one kind of mental activity through which the human mind expresses itself there are many systems of thought so spiritual evolution also takes many many lines of uh, uh, you know effort uh, we have all these various types of yoga specialized yoga we have hat yoga we have raj yoga kundalini yoga tantra yoga and various kinds of yoga uh, many name whose names we know today many whose name we don't know uh, but they have existed and of course we have the yoga of the gita the trimarga the karma yoga the bhakti yoga the specialized gyan yoga and all these are ways to break out of the human formula and each of these yoga brings into play a new possibility which uh, uh, within the range of mind we didn't know hat yoga does provide Uh, releases energies into into the system of which we were not even aware that yes it's possible to lead a healthy life not just by balancing your diet but by awakening that energy in in all ancient hatha yoga the kundalini was part of it so by awakening powers and capacities and energies within of which we are not aware at all similarly with raj yoga we see a new possibility the possibility of completely quieting the mind to the extent that there are no thoughts now people may wonder oh don't want to become thoughtless as you know madam alexandra uh, david neil once put to shurbindo that uh, uh, it's very difficult to say she asked about that state you know thoughtless state and she said i don't know whether i am uh, becoming stupid or not so shurbindo says uh, yes there is a time when one doesn't know whether one is becoming stupidly wise or or, <laughs> or, or like an idiot there is a phase because we normally identify ourselves with thought so we have all these processes you know when people want to know something they have a brainstorming session i am sure must be aware of it but um, indian thought uh, yogic system specializes in brain stilling and the rationale behind this is that when the activity of thought becomes quiet it's like bubbling effervescent then truth and knowledge can have space and chance to come in so the principle behind is that knowledge is not just at the level of thought there is something beyond the mind where knowledge exists that's how we have in the gita the image of the ashwa tree whose roots are above and the branches are below so knowledge power strength wisdom peace ananda everything is beyond this formula but as it enters at each level it is absorbed limited distorted that's what is called ignorance it enters into the realm of nature and nature is not ready to receive it and therefore it gets limited so we identify knowledge as mental knowledge so we have research the typical way of mental knowledge is do a research <laughs> so at the end of the research uh, you know there is a funny story about it yet somebody came uh, from the from us where the, he had read about uh, the flute of krishna so he started wondering that well uh, during the time of mahabharata they were great weapons they they surely knew about nuclear technology etc so flute of krishna must have been recorded so he comes all the way to india to find flute of krishna so he goes to the 
culture ministry and says, Sir, can I find some flute of Krishna? He says, There is Hari Prasad Chaurasya. That's the closest I can get. <laughs> he says, Hari is alright, but I want Hari, not Hari Prasad. So, you know, uh, where can I find recorded flute of Krishna? So, the culture minister of India tells him, you know, Harvard University has proved 60% Krishna did not exist. 40% he existed. Don't ask me more than that. <laughs> so, you know, because that's how research is always like that. It is, It moves from the uh, little known to the vast unknown. And it tries to understand the unknown on the basis of the little known. You know, this is a basic fallacy of the approach. So it always extrapolates, extrapolates, extrapolates. But there is no certainty in that, that its knowledge is definitely authentic. So Rajyogic processes teach us how to quieten the mind, how to still the mind, so that knowledge can enter into a mind which has grown quiet. That's why when mother speaks about reading Savitri, she says, make the mind quiet, not sit with the dictionary, because dictionary means more agitation. Sometimes we are caught up in a word. What does this word mean? Don't worry. Read the passage. We have to see the totality. Some picture will emerge. And that picture is a beginning of that touch within us. As we go on and read it again and again, we will see that there are new pictures which will emerge. And that is why many of the great truths are given in poetic form. Because in poetic form, you, you have the possibility of having infinite suggestions. I'll just give one line from Savitri. You know, we are saying that um, Savitri can be difficult sometime, but this is all can be done if the God touches there. <laughs> How simple this line is. There is another line in Savitri, nature's instruments loiters secret God. Now you see, this This is very interesting line because uh, Shominda uses the word loiters. Loiters is generally used in a very negative sense. Why are you loitering in the classroom? So who is loitering? God, but not visible, secret. Where is the loitering? Now look at this expression, nature's instruments. In the brain, in the tissues, in the bodies, he is loitering. Just looking for a little space where he can enter into and start his work or you know he can uh, take, take it on further. But there is no space given. So spiritual evolution has followed many specialized lines. Now the problem is that each of these specialized lines have their own validity, their own experience and they are wonderful but they also become limiting because if you have to apply yoga to the vast mankind, they are not like the way we understand Raj Yoga today that you know do two hours of meditation, it doesn't work like that. It's a whole lifestyle where it sometimes becomes very difficult to engage with life as it is. Therefore we see schools came up. Ashramas, where people who are going into spiritual practices withdrew into these places. I know of a hut yogi in Bangalore who practices just this um, Surya Namaskar for 8 hours a day. So, you know, hut yoga is not just doing 20 minutes fitness, which is okay, we can do. But hut yoga, not ex as an exercise, where you really bring out the bodily energies and try to unite it with the highest possible consciousness, it's a very, very exhaustive effort. Therefore, we see the path of the Gita, which is like a broad path. It's not about a specialized form of meditation. The entire Gita just focuses few slokas on meditation, how to meditate. 
but it doesn't give it primary importance about a certain attitude certain inner state a state of constant remembrance a state of detachment from the fruit of the action it is you know it's very interesting if we have to put in modern language often people say that you know god's will what does god want of me so they think if you succeed in a work god was behind it isn't it <laughs> shobindra writes a letter what if failure suits him better <laughs> for his purpose what do we know of god's will it's not like the human formula so one of the first practices in the gita is do not do work with an eye on the result now the first problem that human beings face with this formula is okay then it doesn't matter i'll do it any which way no hold on the gita also says yoga karma su kaushalam skill in works so normally we do a work skillfully because we want to impress either someone or we want the result to be in our favor but what is the gita telling us do the work with full excellence perfection because now it's not your work it's seva it's not for human praise but to as an offering to the divine how can one offer you know just something slipshod and shabbily done to the divine we'll not do it because you know imagine a real scenario where god is entering your house so are you going to just say ki anyways it doesn't matter god is not concerned he is what is matter to him so just keep the house any which way you'll keep it isn't it's instinctively you will make the most beautiful arrangement why because god is coming so gita changes the whole thing from pursuit of success to pursuit of excellence the paradox is if you do your work with eye on excellence there is a great likelihood that success will come your way <laughs> now you know there's the little tweaking but you're not doing it for success because the moment you Uh, do it with an eye on success there is a lot of waste of energy on contemplating the result it's a throwing away of energy that's all we are not able to we are all the time you know worrying about what's going to happen what's going to happen if you ask the buddha that you know um, what's going to happen in my life in future please tell me you are god so he would say don't think about the imponderable <laughs> man is not given to know the future and there is a reason behind it because in our present state of consciousness if we know the future more often than not we will not put the effort either which way if you know you are going to succeed oh wow i am going to succeed it's like you know often you have some of my known person is there he is going to anyway promote me so why should i bother isn't the human consciousness in this present state or if it knows it's going to fail again it will say why should i put in the effort look the problem why future is veiled but if we change our consciousness that question you were raising that you know uh, about what changes take place strangely as the consciousness begins to change you begin to become aware of the future so strange but you don't deter yourself from action simply because you know this is the inevitable future as long as you are worrying about the future the future will be veiled so it's an imponderable don't put energies on that put energies on what i am going to do at this point of time how i can do it best 
any amount of thought, sitting together, worrying about it, being anxious about it, offering laddus in the temple, I can tell you for sure, it is not going to move God's will in this way or that way. <laughs> Only the priest will be happy with the laddus. <laughs> and some people will get diabetes. I don't know. Indians are becoming so much diabetic. I don't know about the God's situation out there. But uh, I'm sure the physician of the gods, Aswins, must be having a busy time with all the laddus that we are <laughs> giving. <laughs> because um, very simply, if we believe that there is something like a divine will in this creation, it is one with wisdom. And if it is one with wisdom, do you think it will start getting moved like a football based on our asking and not asking? Can the divine will be coerced into favoring because we have given some money? Maybe some forces in the universe can be. Mother used to say this, that you know places where these things are fulfilled, they are normally mostly occupied by vital beings, not by divinity. Divinity is not impressed by this show of, I have given so much money, more money, so God will be more happy with it. It won't be. And these forces often upset because there is a reason, there is a purpose in this evolutionary process. But they come and upset. So in religious life we see seeking for God just to fulfill our physical vital needs. That's what religious life is. The moment you say to a religious person, well you are doing it because uh, you will evolve. See it changes the perspective on karma. I am good because I will get money, success, fame. Is this better or I am good because there is a joy in being good? I am good because it gives me happiness to be good. It gives me peace of mind. And the reward of goodness should be an increase of goodness in nature. Isn't it? So look at these theories of karma where we say, Oh, he is a good man, therefore... He must be today a multimillionaire. He must have been a very bad guy. That's why he is so poor. By that yardstick, Duryodhana must have been a very good guy in the previous life. Then there is a problem. If he was such a good guy, how did he become such a bad guy? <laughs> and by this yardstick, Arjuna must have been, the Pandavas must have been very horrible people. And if they were so horrible, how come they suddenly changed into the good guys? So, basically the, what is happening here is evolution and the divine will is helping us to evolve. So, what does it mean? Prayer has no meaning, aspiration has no meaning. It has a meaning. And the meaning is, one, we will not talk about intervention right now, but it adds to the, when we aspire to the divine, when we pray to the divine, and we pray for intervention. When mother was asked this question, when I when we pray to you, and we believe that you know if we pray to you, we are being cured. We have this faith. Does it mean that the cure has been already predetermined? She says it may be that way. Look at the game. So why should I pray? Because then you have the joy of contact. You see, it builds contact. The first thing that prayer and aspiration do is they build the contact between this limited consciousness 
and the higher consciousness. That's the beginning of spiritual life. Spiritual life begins with aspiration. And this contact is the most important thing, which today we don't value. We think, then what's the point? <laughs> but <laughs> this contact, this human effort to come in touch with the divine, which has taken so many forms, specialized forms, and you know, any time we do it, this contact is the most precious thing because this is our inevitable destiny. In other words, God is busy making us divine and we are busy making him human. <laughs> he is a judge who will punish me or reward me. He is going to be angry. If I don't go to the temple on Tuesday, he is going to be very happy if I offer him thousand bucks. My job is done. These are human notions. We have humanized the divine. And that's what I meant that religious life is a often trapped in a belief system, set of belief system. It's not about reality. And then there is another kind of life which also moral and ethical life. It lives by certain standards, universal standards of conduct. <clears throat> certain do's and don'ts. You have no like this is black, this is white. Easy to navigate. Real life, is it black or white? Or shades of grey? Isn't it? In real life, it's shades of grey. There are many situations where there is a real dilemma between a moral choice and what you feel intuitively should be the right choice. And you know, that example I gave, Bharat, should he listen to his mom and say, any which way you are my mom? Thank you, mom. You tried to give me a kingdom. It didn't work out or it worked out. He should have been grateful. But what did Bharat do? Morally, he should have thanked his mom. But what is Bharat doing? He is saying that no, because there is a deeper sense within us. Ethically, he realizes that this is not something beautiful. Ethics is still higher than moral. Moral is an artificial standard. Somebody is erected. Society or something. But ethics is the sense of the beautiful. Even this is the human formula. Nobody else decides. Something within me tells me this is not beautiful. That's where we see Bharat excelling. This is not beautiful. Kingdom okay, but mom, this was not the way you gave me kingdom. So, he detracts from his mother or Vibhishna detracts from his brother because he feels the ways of my brother are not the right way. This is an intrinsic sense that tells him. And beyond ethics, there is something still greater and that is the spiritual law of living. And spiritual law of living is a living in complete freedom. But the only true freedom which means to act in union with the divine will. And that's the whole problem and that's the whole ultimate solution is to act in union with the divine will. And spiritual life teaches us. And if we can live in that state then it's not a special process. It's not like you know every time I have to sit and go within. You can do it. But when more and more we are in contact and union with the divine, more and more our action spontaneously gets impelled by the divine will within us. And that is the minimum state that human beings should reach before they can launch into the uh, what is called as the supramental yoga. Supramental yoga goes still further. It's about the entire change of the instrumental personality so that 
not only we know the divine will but we can express it you know often when we know the divine will there is still a gap our mind our brain our body our life force they are not able to express haven't you haven't we felt sometimes overwhelmed because the instrument personality cannot contain beyond a certain degree of emotions beyond a certain degree of joy people break down or sometimes as you know we are we have to do mental activities so let's <laughs> because the brain begins to get tired that happens now when we reach your windows live divine perfect recipe for sleeplessness <laughs> read a page and you will see that after some time you are lolling don't give up read another page sleep with the book on your <laughs> heart <laughs> why because the human brain is not ready and able to contain that power of consciousness which is inbuilt what do people do oh then let me not read it is not realizing you are doing a yoga by merely reading yoga starts with a contact with the divine consciousness why did should been the right in this way he could have written in very simple ways you see let us on yoga i like that but in the entire arya series which is all the major works is essentially there is a reason why he has brought the truth to a level but not below that so that we strain and when we strain there is a stretching of the human consciousness to meet the divine so if you know it's it's not like okay i understood a sentence it's like i can read through it and many people after some time they begin to get a joy out of it they don't know why i know people who read savitri and get joy out of it and they say we don't understand it it doesn't it's understanding is one of the bridges to come in contact but we can come in contact with that consciousness without understanding haven't we experienced two people meeting and feeling joy at the meeting it's not necessary that they understand each other they may not even know each other's name and they will come and say i you know i feel happy meeting you they have bypassed the bridge of understanding whereas mentalized people will meet yes what's your name so where are you coming from then after some time they will decide but there is another kind of well if you want to use the word understanding but intimacy and that intimacy give joy and so we should read because it's one of the ways of coming in contact with the divine consciousness but right now our instruments are not ready but the more we read the more we contemplate the more the instruments begin to become ready the more the divine shakti acts upon the instrument they become ready so from yoga of the gita ends with fulfilling the divine will in life but the instrumental nature is the same so there are limitations but from there shobindo's yoga starts and it fulfills the divine will in life by perfecting the instruments the instruments have to also become perfect so we see spiritual evolution turning full cycle what started with a growth of this spiritual being within us ends up by the perfection of human nature so this is the total journey and with this we can stop and let's have some questions <clears throat> Yes. Let's start with your question. 
You can ask any question like how do I dance well? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will ask, who is Krishna? Who is Krishna? Seriously? You know? <clears throat> My God, this is a question of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have so many things coming into my uh, thoughts and feelings. Uh, one of them is a poem of Sri Aurobindo and the name of the poem is Who. If you have collected poems, I would love to actually read collected poems. Um, but anyways, some of the lines I remember. So I would say, who is Krishna? In the blue of the sky, this is a poem by Shurabindu, okay? In the blue of the sky, in the green of the forest, whose is the hand that has painted the glow? When the winds were asleep in the womb of the ether, who was it roused them and bade them to blow? You got the poem? Okay, we'll read this and then we will also read another poem on Krishna which you'll have to... <clears throat> yeah, mostly I'll remember but you know I don't want to... This is such a beautiful... So who is Krishna? He's the divine artist who has spread delight into the world. Wherever, whenever, when you eat a chocolate or you see an ocean or when you dance or when you smile all that gives joy in creation comes from Krishna. Okay? He is the mischief maker who gives joy to everybody but he gives many other things. Okay? So hold on. <laughs> Where is he found? He is lost in the heart in the cavern of nature. Where is Krishna's temple? Yes? You have a Krishna temple in Australia? Ah. Where is Krishna's temple? Shobindu is telling us his first temple, the original temple is in the heart. Isn't it? So Krishna is never away. Because he is always in the heart. You don't have to go somewhere to find Krishna. You have to go here to find Krishna. So you know you can treat Krishna like a friend. So he is a friend. So you can say Krishna, Krishna, come my friend. So Krishna comes because he is here in the heart. He is found in the brain where he builds up the thought. In the pattern and bloom of the flowers he is woven. In the luminous net of the stars he is caught. Okay, so wherever you experience joy in this entire nature, okay, you will find some touch of Krishna. So every time when you see a flower smiling at you, do flowers smile? Like or only human beings smile? Like ah, you know they smile. So when flowers smile, who is smiling? Krishna, wearing the dress of flowers. When you look at these stars at night, sometimes you see no beautiful stars. You know what is what are these stars? Yes, tell me what are these stars? Ah, oh, you know it. They are the garland. They are the necklace woven by nature on the unseen body of Krishna. 
it happens no sometimes you can't see somebody in dark but the person is wearing a nice diamond uh, <laughs> necklace so there oh, there you are okay so stars are the diamond necklace of krishna woven around his unseen body in the strength of a man in the beauty of women all that is beautiful all that is strong all that is joyous all that is glad all that is wise all this comes from krishna okay we may use it rightly or misuse it that's a different story they are gifts of krishna i may use it and it's wonderful you know god gave gift to both arjuna and karna both were great warriors he also gave the mace gada to bhima and to duryodhana both were great warriors he didn't do partiality how you use it so strength beauty wisdom all these are gifts of krishna you can how you use it now on that will depend how krishna will come and meet you <laughs> if you use it rightly these gifts will grow if you misuse it these gifts begin to fall back or they begin to vanish okay these are his works oh no the hand in the strength of a man in the beauty of women in the laugh of a boy in the blush of a girl everywhere you can see krishna that's why you know when we laugh we feel joy inside it's krishna who is pouring little bit of that joy tickling us from inside you know inside the heart from the inside of the heart and we burst into laughter in the blush of a girl what does he do the hand that sent jupiter spinning through heaven spends all his cunning spends all its cunning to fashion a girl okay jupiter you know jupiter is a planet spinning at what speed do you know what speed earth is spinning at just guess do a google search ha huh? fastest than all the bullet train speeds and rocket speeds combined together can you imagine and we don't even feel it what is speed it's spinning and since billions of years 15 billion years spinning like this what is the power the force that has put it into space in this orbit and is going on and on and on and on and all the planets why jupiter jupiter is the largest planet such a large and that is spinning into space at what incredible speed what is that power what is that hand that has put it into space at that like a ball you know cricketers throw a ball like that he has thrown the hand that sent jupiter spinning through heaven but is he doing only these things no spends all its cunning to fashion a girl hmm the lovely hairs that you have it's krishna's deeds okay it's not only is spending you see the flower petals you see uh, you know which the, that shells which you find in the sea everything so beautiful 
even the atoms the way they are you know if you look at the grain of sand and see sometimes the the grains of sand they reflect light and so beautiful no so where is all this beauty coming from so it is he who is doing it these are his works and his veils and his shadows shubhendra is using three words works he is the doer but he hides behind his works like i weave a curtain and then i hide behind the curtain and i say look find me so what do you see through the curtain sometimes when it is darkish you see a shadow isn't it so these are his works and his veils and his shadows but where is he then by what name is he known is he brahma or vishnu a man or a woman bodies or bodiless twin or alone how many krishnas are there is he man or a woman sure he is a dancer he is an artist woman and man is not about a form he has both sides in him when he becomes feminine then he appears as radha is radha separate from krishna so see <laughs> he can become radha switch on and become radha or he can become what we call as govinda right so he is a man or a woman bodied or bodiless twin or alone who is krishna's twin krishna is a twin is it two or is one okay you know the story of the great ras maharas when one day krishna is dancing with all the gopis so each gopi feels that krishna is dancing only with me okay but krishna is one is he one or is he many and a time comes when he fuses with all the gopis so this is about god and creation or god and nature so some people say it's one some people say it is two twin or alone <clears throat> we have love for a boy who is dark and resplendent which color is better <laughs> krishna has become dark and resplendent you know that's why is one of the names of krishna is shyama sham and of kali is shyama 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 is dark complexion right and it's glowing and resplendent all right a woman is lord of us naked and fierce who is this woman naked and fierce kali so krishna is dances with radha krishna also dances with kali when he dances with kali you have kurukshetra when he dances with radha you have vrindavan both are krishna 
ओके वी हैव सीन हिम ए म्यूज ऑन द स्नो ऑफ द माउंटेन्स कृष्ण एंड शिवार टू गॉड्स और वन गॉड देर इज अ स्टोरी ऑफ हरी हर हर्ड अबाउट द स्टोरी वेर विष्णु एंड शिवा फ्यूज इन टू ईच अदर हरी एंड हर दे आर टू साइड्स ऑफ वन ओके सो इज वी हैव वॉज थिम एट वर्क इन दार्ट ऑफ द स्पीयर्स now comes very beautiful line we will tell the whole world of his ways and his cunning he has rapture of torture and passion and pain he delights in our sorrow and drives us to weeping then lures with his joy and his beauty again that's why he is the mischief maker he'll make you cry hmm why does he make us cry how do we cry when do we cry tell me when do we cry when something which we love is gone like a favorite toy isn't it something which we want doesn't happen isn't it and then what happens after some time after your toy has gone what happens after some time one day it is crying sometime then after some time you are again happy right you discover something else something else engages you he has taken a toy and he is ready to give you something else something much greater when mom's take take away something which you are very fond of you want to play with sometimes sir has it happened or no ah ah many times so after some time what is mom going to do what is mom planning already have you not experienced that time you are crying but mom has something else in her mind she is thinking of your good or she wants to make you cry good that's it so this is how krishna works sometimes when something is not good for us he takes it away we think it is good because it's a lollipop i love it he takes it away so we cry but that once again we get engaged with something else and that's how he pulls us towards him he delights in our sorrow and drives us to weeping then lures with his joy and his beauty again that's the way god works in this world because you know step by step we have to become ready for that delight we are still in the stage when we want to play with lollipops and play with mud but we have to play with the stars man is not born to play with the mud so start steps by step that's why in one of the places mother says you know certain illusions are necessary as stages of progress often we have this question no why this illusion why god gives us this illusion and we take another example that you know some of us if we are in the Uh, you know see aviation min- industry how it has perfected itself why didn't the first man straight away build a space rocket because each step is a stage slowly knowledge advances the first flight was the harbinger of the spacecraft or rather the first conception of a flight was the harbinger 
Similarly, when people talk about like in Shurabindu's yoga or any evolutionary process, there are many steps and stages. If you see how dolphins evolved, many steps and stages. So the same way human beings evolve beyond man through many steps and stages. And each step, it is like a measure and then it's, it breaks. But what you, re, what you retain and uh, gain through that is experience and the knowledge. That never goes. So the first flight experience was how something can fly. Then the next question human beings posed was, okay, how can I make it fly faster and higher? Isn't it? So then how can I make it more fuel economic? How can I make it escape gravity? But it starts with step by step. So that's what we, we read here. Then lures with his joy and his beauty again. All music is only the sound of his laughter. All beauty, the smile of his passionate bliss. Our lives are his heartbeats. Our rapture, the bridal of Radha and Krishna. Our love is their kiss. So what is the love of Radha and Krishna typified? It is the love of the divine and nature. Purusha and Prakriti. When they are in perfect union, there is beauty and delight. When they are not in sync with each other, many people go through a lot of frustration and anguish in life and they think the cause is outside. But the main cause is that our nature and our soul are not in sync with each other. They are not in harmony. They are not dancing a good dance. So, when we are not dancing a good dance, the two are at logarithms with each other, then it is no more Krishna and Radha, it is Krishna and Kali dancing. That's how it is. It's, it's unfortunately true. So we have to synchronize the two. When they, they are synchronized, that's when we experience joy within the heart. So our love is their kiss. The love that we experience, this, this is at every level true. I can tell you one of the signs that they are not in sync with each other is that we miss out on joy and we see there is a diminution of the energy of love. It's almost a civilizational disease today. Deficiency of vitamin L. <laughs> love. And so people want it from somebody else. So somebody else will give only this much and you know then after giving this much the other person will also expect. So you say no, no, let my heart be full first. <laughs> Then what happens in the process? After some time, both get fed up. And if one person is only giving, then the person gets fully fed up. But its origin is in, here is giving a secret. The energy of love which brings beauty and delight is when our nature is in sync with the call of our soul. It doesn't matter whether you succeed or not. You will be happy within because you are doing something which deep within you you are born to do. That's what Krishna tells Arjuna. You are born to do it and you must do it. So our love is their kiss. And look how powerful this is. His strength that is loud in the blare of the trumpets. He's not just sitting in an ashrama and quietly meditating. He's not just playing the flute. He does that. But he is also the Chakradhari. He is also in the 
middle of the kurukshetra where is the you know it's a integral vision of the integral divine everywhere he is active so even when we fall and hurt ourselves it is he who is there this is the oneness that we have to learn to see in life because we have erected a god in our image who is there to only satisfy my desires and my longings such a god if he existed at all would be absolutely worthless from our evolutionary point of view because we'll remain the same old struggling human so sometimes he comes as the warrior and he rides in the car and he strikes in the spears what a marvelous line this is he is not just you know langoti dal ke baithe hue hain he rides in the car and he strikes in the spears he slays without stint and is full of compassion how can you know these paradoxes shobindo brings together how can one slay and yet be full of compassion how is it possible to slay we'll take a small example slay is one extreme when a doctor cuts a patient with a knife is he a cruel person or is he a compassionate person <laughs> his heart is moved by compassion same way now take the larger scenario there is all souls are beautiful but they are trapped in bodies which have been misused and abused and sometimes the soul has to come out of this trap sometimes it is in a body where it is not able to fulfill its purpose there are people who are like that nice people good people by human standards and whatever i mean they are good people but their souls are not able to fulfill that purpose many such things so he releases them so he slays without stint he does not think twice oh if he goes what will happen to those who are left behind he has another plans for them which unfolds but right now the purpose is to liberate the soul from a body from a trap of nature in which it is not able to fulfill the truth of its life so he slays without stint and is full of compassion behind this killing there is a compassion even in death even when we see that death is approaching us we must know he is doing it with compassion he wars for the world and its ultimate years in the sweep of the worlds in the surge of the ages ineffable mighty majestic and pure beyond the last pinnacle seized by the thinker he is throned in his seats that forever endure when everything goes away all the worlds what remains who remains it is krishna you know the word krishna comes from where what is the meaning of the word krishna krishna means that which draws us akarshan vikarshan sukarshan that word you know comes it means that which draws us so he is seated there and the master of man and his infinite lover he is close to our hearts had we vision to see so not only is he master he is also our lover he loves us okay that much you'll remember <laughs> krishna is a good friend he loves us okay you'll remember that no krishna loves us 
and he is a good friend. All right? Okay, that's good enough. And again, he is reminding us, he is close to our hearts. Okay, very close. But the question is, why we don't see? We are blind with our pride and the pomp of our passions. We are bound in our thoughts where we hold ourselves free. So why we don't see Krishna? You know, they have beautiful stories. Gopis, they have to come out and they have to completely abandon everything. The famous misunderstood story of Krishna. Give up your robes. What robes? We give up the robe of sin. But we don't find it easy to give the robe of virtue. And if you are holding on to that robe also, you can't see Krishna. You will be a virtuous man, a good guy in everybody's eye. That's what we do, no? Very often, we want to be a good guy. So, we hold on to the robe of self-righteousness. Many of the times, our all our actions are dictated not by an inner truth, but by what people will think about us. I want to be a good man, but Krishna is beyond good and evil. If we are holding on to this robe of virtue, we cannot see Krishna. That's why the Gita is not given to Yudhishthira but to Arjuna. Arjuna is ready to let go. Tell me what you want me to do, I'll do it. That is the attitude of the divine worker. And see, we are bound in our thoughts. For example, when we hear about this, no, 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 this cannot be. I don't think God will do this. Mother once told the story of, uh, you know, <laughs> someone who was given the contact. Ah, Jarur Jarur Jarur. Okay, thank you. Okay. Chalo ye khatam karke, fir hum Hindi mein aa jate hai. Haan, Jarur Jarur. Anand se. Bahut Anand se. To, hum log bahut baar na ye sochne lagte hai. We start thinking that... Uh, God is this, God is not that, God can do this, God cannot do that. Whatever is happening, ultimately in sabke piche, why it's distorted that we can discuss if there is a question, and it's a valid question. But ultimately in sabke piche, behind all this, there is the one divine power. There are no two. But our thoughts cuts things into black and white. Then what happens? It creates a white power, a good power and a dark power. Ek devta hai aur ek asur hai, rakshas hai. To hum complete truth ko miss kar dete hai. You know one of the things about Shiva, very interesting. Shiva is... Uh, both the gods and the demons both go to him. And Sabko Moksha Dete, Ki you are denied my grace. So this is the he is Shrabindu is lifting us to that level of the integral divine, Jo Har Chijme, Har Jage active. Hai. But what is that Leela to understand it? We can talk about that uh, you know, little later. But yeah, just we are holding on to the poem. 
But we have to let go of all these conceptions. Mother says, if you have these conceptions of the divine, you will not be able to find the divine. He is beyond conceptions. All the great scriptures, when you read how they de- describe the one being, they always say he is beyond all conception. Manav, man ke, buddhi ke, tark ke pare hain. Isn't it? So. It is he in the sun who is ageless and deathless. So every morning we meet Krishna in one form. But what about night and into the midnight his shadow is thrown. Even in conscient kender kon chipe hain? Krishna. When darkness was blind and engulfed within darkness, he was seated within it, immense and alone. He started the play, he manages the play, and he is the fulfillment of the play. So, I wanted to go into many aspects of this, but you know, the question has come from the child. So, for a long time, I was just addressing the child, then I couldn't resist. So, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful question. But the simplest thing to remember is there is all is Krishna. There is one line where Shubhendu says, All he loves, all he moves, all are his, all is he. And I'll tell you a story on that. Okay, the story you should remember. So Mahabharata war is over. So Mahabharata war ke pehle ek incident hota hai. Have you heard about the incident of Barbaric? Anyone has heard this story? Okay. Barbaric is the uh, son of Arjuna with Ulupi. So, Bahad Bada warrior hai, Dhanurdhar hai, Mantra Siddh hai, and you know, Barbaric is um, hears that war ho raha hai, jisme mere pitaji, mere chacha, tau sab. War me engaged him. He says, I am going to go. He is a master archer. So he comes and says, Ki ye army, two arrows is sufficient. How will you finish them with two arrows? He says, Ek band sab me chale Second band, I will finish them. He says, You guys step behind. I am youngster, you know. I will take care. I have got a super machine gun. <laughs> so, as he is about to shoot the arrow, Sri Krishna beheads him. So everybody is flabbergasted. Why? So Krishna's ways are inexplicable. So they just trust, they go through their own issues, but they say, anyways, Krishna has done, he knows best. So then Krishna sees they are all lamenting. They say, so Krishna says, Ki, Inka head ko main immortal bana dunga. Because you know, he has cut it. He says, his head will watch the entire Mahabharata and he will be, he will have the same status as me. So that's why you have a, uh, Barbarik is worshipped in a portion of Rajasthan as Khatu Shyamji. There is a temple of Barbarik. Barbarik ka ek mandir hai, jahan par log jate and you know, uh, this head of Barbarik is worshipped there. That is supposed to be the tila where he had kept. Anyways, uh, when the war is over, so every warrior is saying, me, the other one is saying me, it's my gada, my dhanurvidya, my sword. All of them are, you know, praising themselves. And then they ask Krishna. Krishna says, I don't know, I was part of the war. So you ask Barbari, Purato Yudhisne Dekhaya, 
उसने पूरा वहां बैठ के सारा युद्ध देखा है ये सीन द होल ड्रामा सो दे गो एंड आस्क बर्बरीक सो वेन दे गो टू बर्बरीक एंड आस्क हिम दैट हु वॉज द ग्रेटेस्ट वॉरियर सबसे बड़ा योद्धा कौन था तो बर्बरीक लाव्स द हेड लाव्स वंडरिंग हंस क्यों रहा है हमारा क्वेश्चन में क्या गलत है यू कैन से मुझे नहीं समझ आया आप हंस क्यों रहे हो सो दे आस्क इम द सीक्रेट ऑफ हिज लाफ्टर मुझे पता नहीं तुम क्या सोचोगे क्या समझ रहे हो बट बोथ साइड आई सो नन एल्स बट कृष्णा कृष्णा इधर थे कृष्णा वॉज ऑन दी अदर साइड एंड आई सो नन एल्स बट कृष्णा नाउ This is the state of oneness in which Barbaric has gone, where he discovered that outwardly Krishna is this side and there are the opponents, but inwardly, when you have the inner vision, you see that all is his play. Now, then, of course, uh, this is there in the shastras, all the great scriptures. The question is, what is this play about? Very valid question, isn't it? there are many interconnected questions with this i raise these questions at a point of time ki seriously there are many things happening in this world which are horrible murders and rapes and you mean to say that it's god's play this question must be raised is it a valid question don't accept just the word of the scripture look for answers because if seriously this is the play either we are not understanding something about it or else what kind of a play what kind of a consciousness monstrous consciousness is you know for a long time mother says that that when people would describe to him the god of the religions she said i don't want to do anything with this fellow he is more like a monster god of the religions सो इस प्ले के दो साइड्स हैं देर आर टू साइड द प्ले लाइक एनी प्ले एक होता है ना कि एक कथा चल रही है आप बाहर में देख रहे हो डिफरेंट एक्टर्स आर प्लेइंग डिफरेंट रोल्स अलग अलग रोल प्ले कर रहे हैं बट वी डोंट नो वॉट दिस स्टोरी इज अबाउट वेयर दिस इज स्टैंडिंग वी डोंट नो दी बिगिनिंग ऑफ द ओरिजिनल सूत्र वी डोंट नो वेयर इज द स्टोरी गोइंग सो वी आर शक बाई द प्ले I'll give an example. Zoom in on a scene in Mahabharata. You know the story of Dushashan Vad. Okay. So, what is it like? You know the description of it. Imagine you suddenly saw that scene. Nothing else. You don't know be before. You don't know what is beyond. So, what scene you saw? You saw Bhima suddenly putting Dushashan on the ground with his head. both the hands he is bursting his chest open tearing his heart taking blood out of it and sipping it putting on his face and going and taking to draupadi that please tie your hairs what what impression you are going to draw about bhima zyada tar ye hoga ki aap bologe ye kya kitab hai my god there is so many people think no mahabharata don't teach mahabharata to children it's about violence it's not a scripture about violence otherwise it won't have endured so long then you say you flip through the pages why is you know why is ye kyon hai ye scene ka origin kahan hai to origin kahan pe aata hai draupadi ka vastra haran 
then you have a at least a moral justification but still raise the next question what is the next question draupadi ka cheer haran hua hi kyun hone kyun diya you know it's a logical question bhagwan ne itna tamasha kyun draupadi ka cheer ready nahi hota mahabharat nahi hoti now we go into the unwritten mahabharata what is not there in the mahabharata it is there in some occult scriptures or some you know later on you will find it but see what is happening in mahabharata is it's not about kaurava and pandava the good family and the bad family civilization is standing at a crisis evolutionary crisis what are the signs of it all the yardsticks and standards and measures with which humanity is living which you find embodied in bhishma and drona and karna and arjuna and yudhishthir and all these people those standards are now going to fall apart they are not enough to take us into the next level of evolution and all of them they are holding on look at bhishma my pratigya self righteous we are talking about self righteous man cannot have the divine self righteous मैं कितना बड़ा आदमी हूं करना सेल्फ राइटियस आई एम ए वर्चुअस मैन ही वॉन्ट्स टू मेक हिज अपना नाम हिस्ट्री में कैसे दानवीर कर्ण बहुत अच्छी बात है पर आपने तो पूरा महाभारत का एक तरह से प्लॉट लिख दिया ओरिजिनल डॉन माफिया दिस द ओरिजिनल वे डॉन्स यूज टू डू दिस दे वुड फर्स्ट गिव यू मनी देन टेल यू शूड दिस गाई दुर्योधना डिड दिस पहले उसको अंग देश का राज्य दे दिया फिर सिविलाइजेशन इज गोइंग थ्रू ए क्राइसिस एंड इट मस्ट गो टू द नेक्स्ट लेवल सो नाउ इट हैज टू गो इट हैज टू गो द फॉर्म द इंस्टीट्यूशन they all have to go and something new has to come out so there has to be a means of finishing this form because there is a reason why they have been sustained there has to be an occasion for their destruction and who has come for their destruction none else but kali you know who was dropdi she was incarnation of kali like helen of troy she was incarnation of kali she had come to bring down the empires and if you see actually in the mahabharata war everybody gets destroyed it's not just the kauravas pandavas also pandava side also gets destroyed who are the people who survive in the entire mahabharata war primarily they are the five pandavas ah ne among among the warriors five pandavas and one fellow called parikshit now you see very interesting about the pandavas pandavas and parikshit none of them are born through the normal process of birth they are all incarnation of forces and beings parikshit dies and is comes alive in the womb by krishna's grace so meaning thereby all those who embodied a new consciousness they survive everything else is gone you see the entire war everybody is gone on both the sides people think it only kaurava but pandava side all the great warriors drupad virat 
उत्तर अभिमन्यु दुमन हु सर्वाइव द वॉर एवरीबडी वेंट तीन उधर बचे थे अश्वत्थामा कृपाचार्य और एंड इधर में ये दीज आर द ओनली पीपल हु सर्वाइव द वॉर एंड अल्टीमेटली किंगडम गोज टू परीक्षित ए न्यू काइंड ऑफ लॉ हैज टू कम so the same thing what is evil evil is something which gets misplaced in time it had its meaning but after a time period people lose the inner sense and only the shell or institution remains outer institution like a body that body has to be destroyed because it cannot hold now the upward evolutionary impulse of humanity the same thing happens when we die and the sign that it is going to be destroyed is when all kinds of chaotic things begin to happen in a society all kinds of as that's how you see bhavishya puran that's how it describes abnormal manifestations why because nature wants to create something new so we look at it from our lens of good and bad but divine looks at it from this lens that some society और मनुष्य और समाज ने एक फॉर्मूला तैयार किया था जो उसको हेल्प कर रहा था इवॉल्व करने के लिए एक टाइम के बाद दैट फॉर्मूला बिकम्स ए प्रिजन हाउस सो डिवाइन क्या करते हैं उसको डिस्ट्रॉय कर देते हैं आजकल ये हो रहा है कि नहीं हो रहा है ऑल द ओल्ड फॉर्म्स द ओल्ड वैल्यूज ऑल द ओल्ड मेजर सब खत्म हो रहे क्योंकि एक कंप्लीटली न्यू हैज टू इमर्ज and that's when you see all these forces come on a rampage all the as if the darkness is unleashed darkness kya karti hai uska kaam hi yahi hai it comes to just swallow it's allowed because it has to do that work of pulling down all the institution so this is the inner side of any whenever we see a great destruction a great pain and then i'll tell you another example of how you know divine works to awaken us आई डोंट नो इंडिया में एक बहुत फेमस कांड हुआ था निर्भया कांड हैव यू हर्ड अबाउट इट यू मस्ट हैव हर्ड इट्स ए वेरी गोरी इवेंट नाउ इफ यू सी ओनली फ्रॉम द निर्भया पॉइंट ऑफ व्यू दिस गर्ल वॉज यू नो बैडली ब्रूटली रेप्ड एंड किल्ड यूड फील ओ माई गॉड हाउ कैन दिस हैपन बट इफ यू सी फ्रॉम अनदर परस्पेक्टिव शी चेंज दुक द एंटायर कॉन्शियंस ऑफ ए नेशन and woke up people to a new way of life new laws were created yes one person sacrifices like abhimanyu sacrifice draupadi sacrifice and these are souls which have come for this purpose another aspect of many things that we see in society we have to understand that each one at his own level of consciousness meets the experiences necessary for his growth and progress this is the third aspect of it so you know when sometime we see poor people and begging on the road and you feel why should this happen now at a certain level of evolution and people want to suddenly give lot of money and make them rich or teach them to snatch and make them rich you know these are the two policies people have adopted and both are not the right way if you don't change the consciousness and just provide outwardly it is going to create an imbalance and hasn't it created an imbalance by these two approaches one gave birth to marxist ideology very violent approach the second gave gave birth to capitalistic ideology 
the kind of socialism which didn't help us so what what is going to really help if you want to empower people change their consciousness otherwise they will meet the same experience at in one way or the other so the experiences of life so the divine at every level appears at the level of that evolution so we have you know who is kali kali is gauri who is identified with all the darkness can you imagine divine is destroying everybody killing drinking blood some people are shaken we accept as the image as the world mother but many people are shaken by this image what kind of a goddess so it is the same divine mother who identifies with this darkness that's why all the asuras all the dark beings they will turn to uh, asuri you know she even becomes asuri because they feel ki yes that is what we want power so as is our level of evolution so is the conception and image of the divine and divine comes at that level becoming that and then he breaks that level and you discover another level and another level and that's how evolution proceeds so because of this now somebody standing on the 10th level does find it very horrible but the person who is there you don't know this is the journey through which he has to go standing there we feel because we have gone past it and when we have to go past we begin to find it horrible hota hai na sometimes humko lagta hai ki ye samaj mein kya ho raha hai kyunki hum ready hain uske past jaane ke liye but ask an average person is perfectly satisfied with that level so he has to go through the experiences which will shake him and bring him out so this is the large picture in which we have to understand god's play essentially it is to prepare us for the ultimate delight why these lower stages are there because we are not ready to you know its journey starts from the womb of darkness can a child suddenly be exposed to full bright light he'll become blind can you beat a child black and blue and say you fly your aircraft and become a doctor aap bacche ko kya sikhate ho e equals to mc square means e for elephant m for mango <laughs> c for chocolate 2 is 1 2 3 4 yahi sikhate ho na agar aap bologe ki e equals to mc square you know what it means you can measure the movement of the stars the child will say papa kya bol rahe ho so at each level and time comes when this knowledge only the essence remains and the child can learn higher things so we cannot understand the divine play unless we understand the hierarchy of evolution that's the whole thing that's what we see shobindra explains as a great detail in savitri the entire hierarchy of evolution there is a stage when you become like a puppet and you wonder bahut hota hai na life mein kisi kisi ke ki there is a crisis and everything around you is gone wrong and what do you what is the ultimate question you ask initially you try to win god by favors then you curse him but when you realize bhagwan ko na curse ka asar ho raha hai na fever ka to kya question karte ho ultimate question ye kya hai you know you ask one should ask now divine will say now you ask the right question abhi tak to question hi nahi tha tumne presume kiya tha na ki main fear of ever ki baat kar raha hu now you ask the right question then some people will ask where is god is there a divine is what is destiny now when do people raise this question about destiny when something happens to them which is unpleasant and painful isn't it strange 
Do people raise the question about destiny when everything is going well? So it's an evolutionary process. So we go through and mind you the soul enjoys all this. Actually there is a person inside who goes through all this very happily. Who knows it's a training ground. It is our notions. Because we have moral notions we cannot understand creation. See this is the other part. It has created a big hurdle in trying to understand the ways of God. Because God has to be a moralist. We presume it. So if something is evil, then it is not God's fault. It is our karma. But when you understand that no, he is not a moralist. Neither he is immoral. He is busy with only one thing, preparing us for that ultimate fulfillment. And for that, whatever is necessary, like the mother is same difference and a much bigger difference exists between the divine consciousness and the human consciousness. Bhagavan kabhi kabhi form thud jata hai, kabhi khilona chin lete hai, kyunki humko wo growth or progress karna cha rahe. I don't know, what was the question about? Haan, I had raised the question, ye play kyo hai? Mystery play. It's important to understand the play, so that we know where we stand and how we can navigate through. It's important to understand what is fate. We can't just blame it all on karma. Can we become master of a fate? These are questions of importance. Sabitri is all about it. So what do we want? We want a break or we want to continue or we want... <laughs> because one question leads to a great... Because you can't uh, finish it just by saying a line. You have to understand the entire chain and the process. Otherwise it will remain an incomplete answer. That's what you see in Shurabindo. One sentence jo hai, running into ten lines. Why does it run into many lines? Because you know you have to get the whole complete truth. Krishna's play. 